John 15 starts with a 15. How many have faith and believe I can preach this message in 15 minutes? How many of you hope I preach it in 15 minutes? Jim, put your hand down. You don't have, okay. I'm going to prove it to you. Where is it? I'm going to set my timer, my alarm. This is going to be the 15 minute message. It's too beautiful for me to carry on for too long, all right? You can get the point in 15 minutes. All right. That's why the first service was full this week, and this one has some chairs in the back, because everyone's like, I'm going to get into church, so I'm going to enjoy this weather. So I'm going to do this, not an hour and 15 minutes. Let me take that hour off of there. Are you all ready for this? I'm going to do it. No one call me because my ringer's on. All right. Um, I was, uh, oh, I'm going to get my little clicker here. Oh, gosh, I've got to add more time. All right. I was, um, I was uh, scrolling through Facebook the other day, and I realized that, they're, they're, uh, that some folks that have been uh, kind of vocally uh, or have expressed some, some uh, differences in the journey we've been on as a church, um, I've seen, like all of us, have gone through something recently. And it's amazing that when you go through something, how quick your theology about God's grace begins to change. So I came up with this little recipe. Let me see what you guys think. Oh, first of all, that was something else. It's a breathalyzer test. It's supposed to set up my sermon, but I'm doing the 15-minute version. Just laugh at it and let's go on, okay? All right, there you go. So... Um, this is my recipe for developing a desire for grace in your life. You ready for this? Anytime there is confidence in me, and this is, goes for you, confidence in yourself, in your own ability, and you think that it's really important, you know, what you carry, and that gets met with a trial. That equals a desire for grace. Some people ask me, like, you know, well, you know, somebody emailed me this past week, and they're like, hey, well, how do you, you know, how, did you go to a conference? You started learning this? Because it kind of goes, flies in the face of some of the things I've been taught, and I'm, I really think you're onto something. I really believe you're right. But where did you get this? Is there, like, an expository thing that you went to? Is there a group of pastors that are pursuing this? And, and they wanted me to send them some stuff, and I was like, no, 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 I learned this because I went through some things. Because I'm going to tell you, the thing that will root out of your system faster than anything else, the idea that you're, what you have to offer is so vital to the mission, what will root that out quick is when you face something that seems insurmountable in your own strength. Amen. Where you are out of control. You, you don't have any control over the outcome. You can't manipulate it. You can't buy it. You can't whatever. You're just looking at something in the face and going... I feel so helpless. Then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm really insignificant in all of this. And without God, I'm nothing. John 15 says, 
Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. For I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This picture that we get and it continues in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's two parts of this really. It's this idea that, that we will bear fruit and God will do much on our behalf if we learn to abide in him. In John 15, there's 11 different instances in one chapter where it says remain or abide. 11 different instances. Remain in me or abide in me, depending on what, what, what version you have. So it's this idea that we constantly, like the air we breathe, constantly breathe in the promises of God, staying in line with who he is and what he said, and staying connected to him. Everything you and I do will flow from that. Amen. It's not, I'm going to do all this stuff and then spend some time and wait and connect to God. It's from that place is where all of the fruitfulness flows. Because you become fully convinced in your in your, as you draw close to him, you become fully convinced and breathe in the promises of God for our life. Unearned, undeserved, but still yet promises. And as you become convinced of those, you begin to allow the barriers to be removed in your life that hold you back from fulfilling what God has called each and every one of us to do. Let me paint this for you a little bit bigger. We, we can do nothing apart from Christ. Acts 17, 25, it says, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. If you read this in a bunch of versions, you're going to find out there's some versions that get a little cute with it. But basically what he's saying is he's saying, Do you really think I need your hands? Do you really think I need your works? I can literally hear the bubbles being burst in the room. Listen, I'm bursting my own bubble because so many of us have strived to become and strive to please God with what we do. And the whole time he's saying, no, I'm pleased with you. You don't have to prove anything to me. Just do what I've called you to do from that place. And this is beautiful because this is like, he's like, listen, I, this isn't about your hands. I don't need your hands in my equation. My equation is I will breathe and do and bring life, all things in your life. And if you stay in that, connected to that, the nutrients of that will feed everything else. Here's a, a couple ways to look at it. If it's not just salvation that comes through God's spirit and through his grace. It's also a whole, whole host of other things that we've been discussing. And I said to this first service, I really believe that sometimes as Christians, we believe there's two versions of grace. There's grace point, you know, 1.0 that we need when you're really messed up and you need to get saved and you drag your stinky behind in here and you just cry out to God and you're a mess and we're all looking at you going, what a mess. And we say, but God's grace is enough. He even loves that guy. 
right? And that's like a powerful, redemptive, it's, it's a grace that takes action on behalf of that person, even though they can't do anything. They, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to pray. They're, they're, they're just here and they're desperate. And we're like, wow, the powerful grace of God rescuing this person. And then we get saved and we move on to this like grace 2.0. Like, and it's like, it's like grace and our help. Now either we have this wrong or God's schizophrenic. Because his grace is not just made available for salvation. His grace, his spirit breathed inside of us is, is a once and for all done thing. Uh, the reason I'm preaching this and I'm preaching on the breath of God and, and the grace that we breathe in with every breath. The reminder, the grace is that reminder that this isn't about me, it's about him. It's a reminder that his promises are true. It's a reminder that I can't cancel anything. As long as I stay in him, the, 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 the supply in my life is active and flowing. Amen. That's all that is, breathing it in and out. It's because uh, Lainey turned 11 on Thursday and um, she's awesome and love her. She's amazing. And Robin Robertson got her a card. They were in the first service this morning. And um, she got her card and she basically said to her, uh, she said, sweet girl, everything um, you needed for your life, God breathed into you the moment you were born. She said, don't ever, don't ever think that you're not enough. Everything you needed, God breathed into you. And if you've ever seen a baby being born in that moment, you'll realize there's something more than just the oxygen in the room. Because I, I breathe in all the time. I don't change colors every time I breathe. There's something about that first breath of a baby where God, from the beginning, when he formed man, we're going to read in a moment in Genesis 2-7, from the dust of the earth, he breathed the life inside of them. And that's still going on. Every time a baby takes its first breath, it, I don't know if you've seen a baby born, but it is not always the prettiest thing when it comes out. As a matter of fact... Unless you love the person that you're watching that baby come out of, I don't recommend it. <laughs> Boys, don't Google it, all right? Don't YouTube it. It's beautiful, but not beautiful. And that baby, when it comes out, you're just like, what in the world is it covered in? It's got all sorts of stuff covered in. Now, if this is too graphic for you, go to Children's Church, all right? They don't talk about this there. But when it takes its first breath and begins to cry and kick... And it goes from blue or pale to pink. There's something miraculous that happens in that moment. The breath of God fills that baby's lungs. And all of the promises of God, that baby inhales in. Now I'm going to skip all these fancy things I wrote down. Yeah, good one, good one, good one, good one. They're just basically most of those are saying to stay in Christ. Okay, got it? All right. Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Amen. So from the beginning of man, without God's breath, all we were was some dirt. AKA, it's like God said, what is the most worthless common ingredient that I can start with? Some of us need to remind some of these folks that are walking around uh, in, in, in pulpits thinking that they're God's gift to the world. 
someone needs to remind a couple of them that without his spirit, my friend, you're dirt. Now, don't use that on me, all right? Because I, I just get, you can't use my weapon on myself, all right? At the end of the day, we, when you, and, and the, the point of this, like, why are you telling us? Why are you telling us how insignificant we are? Because, I want to tell you why. Because you and I need to stop disqualifying ourselves when we think that we have fallen short in the equation. Because let me tell you something, your part in the equation is just to be obedient. And to receive and believe and rest in who he is. Yeah, but Pastor Dan, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure you want me to do that. Do you really want me to go out with the outreach team? Do you really want me to do that? Do you think I should be the one that's helping in Sunday school? Do you really think I should be hosting people? But what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Listen, if it was about you or about me, none of us would be doing this. The more we understand our insignificance in the equation and how much God is in the equation and how we are dust without his breath, the more we will stop disqualifying ourselves and removing us from the opportunity to follow what he's called us to do. Instead, we need to breathe in his promises and his rest and his grace upon our life, the unmerited favor of God, and breathe out the ambition and the shame and the disqualification and breathe in his grace and breathe out. Just with every other, you say, that's a lot. That's how often you need to be reminded. With every breath. With every breath. Not just Sunday mornings. With every breath. There's so many times, even in one week, where something happens and I go to myself, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pull this together? How am I going to make this work? How am I going to make that? How am I going to pay that? How are we going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How many times in a week I go, how am I going to? This is what happened. See, Adam and Eve sinned. God formed them. They sinned. It wasn't their sin that separated them from God. I've, I've pre- preached that before. It wasn't the sin that separated them. It really was the moment that they, they, they allowed the enemy to convince them that they were separated from God. In case you missed it, Donald J. Trump, the United States, has an $800 billion yearly trade deficit. Okay, thank you for that. All right. Twitter's reminding me of Donald Trump's tweeting. Thank you for that. Um, he, it's, it's this picture of, I have 58 seconds left, and I need about three minutes. So how do I add time? Three minutes. That means it'll be 12 minutes altogether. I mean, 17 minutes. So he breathed in. He breathed into man in that moment and created out of dust the living being. And when, when the, the enemy is not concerned or trying to get you to sin, we do that on our own. It's in our nature. The enemy's not whispering into your ear saying, you know, it'd be really cool if you went over there and did that. People are like, the enemy's coming after me. No, that's your mind. Because you have a sinful nature. And so do I. And left to our own devices, void of the devil, we will do all sorts of dumb things. Let me tell you what the enemy's scared of. He's scared of you no longer being separated from God. His goal is to remove you from him. From, from God. 
If he can separate you from God and get you to stop breathing in the promises of God over your life and the grace of God and the life inside of you and get you separated and convinced that God somehow is mad at you and that he doesn't want anything to do with you and there's something separating you, that is when he ultimately has you. Amen. It's not the sin, it's the separation. Amen. This is what I love. God... He jumpstarts mankind with a breath. And in Mark 5, we, 15, we see the conclusion of it. Jesus gives up his breath so that we can no longer be separated. Come on, you got 90 seconds to get this. Jesus gives up his last breath. It says that he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the next thing that happened is the veil of the temple that separated us up from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is always represented with wind and breath and incense and smoke and all of these things that we breathe in. It's this life-giving force, the Spirit of God that is inside of us, that God breathed into us from when we were born, that Adam and Eve, because they believed that they were separated from God, they started this journey of man to be separated from Him. And the veil represented that separation and Jesus gave up his breath so that you could have yours back. So that I could have my breath back. So that the breath breathed in me as a child would be alive and active in my life. And that I could live every day of my life to serve Jesus. That I could serve every day of my life to the purposes over my life. And I'm out of time. 17-minute sermon with three seconds left. Is that good? Did you get something out of that? Yes, and I have one thing I'm going to show to end with. Uh, you know, performance-based Christianity is not Christianity at all. Now, religion comes up with all of these standards. There are some churches that actually talk about that. They'll talk about, I've had pastors say, do you have standards? I'm like, well, what are your standards? And they have this whole list, except the standards that they set for others are not ones that they have kept themselves. It's not about how well you perform. It's about how well he has performed. Where'd you go, Dan? Amen. Speaking of which, the two announcements I wanted to end my message with, since my sermon is officially done, for the record, it's done. I'm not going to say another word about it. The two announcements that we have for the end of the message today um, are two weeks from today, if, if Pops is feeling all right, he's going to take the pulpit again. And if he doesn't, it'll be my mom's fault for not taking good enough care of him, all right? And next week, and by the way, that'll be Palm Sunday. 
Come on, how fitting and proper. Wow. Next week, we also have a guest speaker and who's a friend of mine and who is an odd duck, but he is wild for, for the Lord and accomplishing and doing something great all over, really, the earth. I went to Northern Rock with him a year and a half ago. I guess it's been almost two years. And so I wanted to end my message today with a little clip from him singing the hymn, I Exalt Thee, at Bethel Church. He's a Bethel music artist. Um, he's been touring with them around the world. Um, who's at David's Tent in London. He, uh, he's been to North Korea. He's been to the war zones of Iraq and Afghanistan. He's, uh, he basically called me on the phone and says, I'm going to be in Tampa Saturday night. Um, I'm going to delay my trip to Indonesia if, you, if, you, if it's okay when I want to come Sunday morning. And basically he said, I don't want anything. Um, I don't want, usually they want to kind of get an idea of what they're going to get to see if it's worth their time. He said, I don't want anything. I want to connect with you guys. I haven't been to your new spot, your new, your new campus there. And, he, and, and I said, great. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. As I said, at the end of the service, we'll receive an offering for what you're doing in northern Iraq, where he's in the refugee camps. His, he has a team in the refugee camps of Iraq that are doing amazing things where these people have been dis displaced from their homes. And he said, all right, cool. He said, you don't have to do that, but that's awesome. And so he'll be here next week. His name is Sean Foyt. And yeah, I'm glad you guys like him. Um, the rest of you, if you don't like him, hopefully you do at the end. And if he's terrible, he at least has great hair, okay? So if you don't know who he is, I'm going to end with this clip. It's two minutes long. And uh, love you guys. Thank you for being here this morning and for hearing this. Take this, breathe in the breath of God, and, uh, and leave here today breathing in God's grace and, and uh, exhaling our ambitions, our shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and all of the things that hold us back from him.